All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Oh, let me put your mic on here. That would, that, that would be better. Would yes, good morning. Go. Good okay. morning. Okay. So, uh, big day today on the COVID yeah. restrictions, right? What's coming up? Yeah, 1230 today, Dr. Bonnie Henry, Health Minister Adrian Dix, announcing an easing of a number of restrictions. Look for the mask mandate to disappear very quickly. Uh, the vaccine passport rule uh, requirement uh, to get into certain venues, such as restaurants and other areas, will end, but not right away. I think that's going to um, uh, last a little longer, but it's not going to end tomorrow or anything like that. Uh, you're going to see some uh, restrictions on such things as overnight children camps disappear uh, for the summer. Uh, a number of work safe uh, safety plans will be uh, altered as well. We're moving into the um, communicable disease um, stage of COVID-19, which is with a plan uh, last summer was to get into basically treating it like the flu. So we're going to see a real easing of restrictions on us. And the other thing we're going to see, if you recall, there was an announcement uh, last month that all health professionals outside a hospital, so um, acupuncturists, chiropractors, family doctors, had to be vaccinated by March 24th. That's going to uh, be altered to just basically you have to provide your vaccination status, but not necessarily be uh, required to be vaccinated in order to practice that uh, particular craft. Okay, that's a, that's a lot there. So that's a, some big announcements coming big announcements. down here this afternoon. Twelve thirty, right? We'll be carrying that live on BC One uh, on on Global. It'll so, be live here too. Yeah, and so yeah, it's, it's a big news day on the COVID front. Yeah, for sure. Now let me ask you. Uh, so a couple of details on that. So you're saying that you understand that the vaccine passport, the vaccine card, that will be phased out. Phased like, out today? Well, uh, no, not not today. It's going to be, my understanding is going to be next month that that will next end. Next month. Oh. But the mask uh, requirement is going to end very quickly. Okay. Okay. So uh, the mask is ending first. There, yeah, that'll okay. end first. And it won't, it'll end in schools except for schools that are in class next week. My understanding, they will still have the mask requirement in place until Friday, which is the beginning of their spring break. But a number of schools, uh, spring break is different in different school districts. If you're in spring break next week, uh, the mask requirement ends at the end of school day tomorrow. Right. So no more mask requirement in indoor public spaces. So you would not have to mask up to go into the grocery in store. Unless that business requires you to be masked oh. to cam come in. It will it'll still be up to individual businesses and establishments. Uh, to enforce whatever uh, rule they want. I mean, some place obviously no shirts, no shirt, no shoes, no service. Uh, places that have that rule, which is could be no mask, right. no service. You, you could have no mask, no service. I don't think that's going to happen in a lot of places, but yeah. uh, the, it'll be up to businesses to uh, to establish their own a safety of, guidelines. A lot of people might just decide to keep wearing the mask. Oh, I think anyway. a lot of people will. Yeah, I think a lot of people will, uh, but it's not going to be mandatory. Okay, that's a big announcement coming down this afternoon at twelve thirty. Let's talk about uh, sky high gas prices. We've got some awesome coverage coming up on this later in the show. Record high gas prices. The Horgan government under a lot of pressure here to do something about it. Let's listen to question period yesterday. This is uh, Liberal House Leader Shirley Bond here in the legislature Opposition yesterday. Week. 207 weeks ago, the Premier made a promise that he had a range of options to help people with the cost of gas. One week ago, he promised, and I quote, Everything's on the table, end quote. Yet day after day, the price of gas goes higher and higher. And what does the Premier do? Nothing.
Liberal MLA Shirley Bond there speaking in the legislature. What did I call her? So she's the she's not the opposition leader. She's the uh, no, she's, she's, she's the opposition leader. Yeah. Uh, she's not the House leader. Not the Todd House. Stone is the House leader. Uh, and until Kevin Falcon takes his seat in the House, uh, she remains opposition. Right. But, so, right. I mean, okay. the Liberals have seized on an issue here that works for them and puts the NDP on the defensive big time. I mean, there's a lot of emotions attached with the price at the pump right now, which is as you and I talked yesterday. I still think the stage is being set for the government being forced to either offer a rebate check to motorists in the form of an ICBC rebate or other form or relax one of the taxes at the pump. There's 54 cents a liter in provincial taxes at the pump right now. <clears throat> and that's a, you know, 10% is, is 10 cents is a carbon tax yeah. to rise to 11 on, on April 1st, even standing down the one cent increase. I mean, that's nothing. I mean, people are looking for more than that. So I think the pressure is building on the government to do more. Right. They don't seem to have much of an appetite, though, to relax gas taxes, especially in the face of these ambitious climate change goals that they have. So I wonder if the the fallback position is ICBC rebate. Mm -hmm. ICBC is just like raking in the profits. They're sitting on a mountain of money over there. Yeah, they've got more than $4 billion in reserve. And it's important for ICBC to have a big reserve. I mean, that is part of the insurance uh, industry requirement. You have to have a huge reserve to cover off catastrophic events. I mean, if suddenly we had the big one, the big earthquake, there'd be one heck of a lot of claims at ICBC for um, destroyed vehicles. And you have to have enough money to cover those claims. But it seems right now they do have enough money, (coughs) which means that uh, with, with the declining number of claims because of the move to no fault, ICBC is a wash in cash. So I think you're going to see a rebate coming from either ICBC or the provincial government uh, to deal with rising gas prices. Let me ask you about the latest shocking report on illicit drug overdose deaths in British Columbia. And this continues to be brutal with thousands of people passing away from drug overdoses. It's it's unreal. And I thought it was an interesting move by Horgan yesterday to say, with under pressure from the opposition to do something and he said okay well, let's get everybody on the same team here bring the liberals in on on a committee here on this yeah so interesting uh death review panel report yesterday looked at 6,007 deaths that yeah. occurred in a four-year period and concluded the chief concern is at lack of access to a safe drug supply the liberals and the greens have been very critical of the ndp uh for some time now and so Horgan is now going to create this all-party committee, which brings the Liberals and the Greens into the tent to f- provide uh, some answers here. Which answers have been really few and far between. There's not an easy solution to this. The BC government's been pressing the federal government to relax the law to allow small amounts of illicit drugs to be uh, in personal possession without criminal uh, uh, sanctions against that. The feds have not moved on that. Uh, that seems to be one of the, the big things right now to in terms of e- easing this crisis. But now the Liberals and the Greens are going to be part of the solution, which means it's going to be hard for them to be critical of what's uh, what the plan huh. is. Okay, interesting. Well, they have been very critical of the government on the number of overdose deaths that we continue to see in the province. And this report that came out yesterday uh, recommended an action plan. They want to see an action plan from government to deal with this with measurable targets over a very short time frame, too. So it'd be like a 30-day, 60 60-day, and then a 90-day plan Mm -hmm. with targets to hit at each stage. And the Liberals looked at Horgan yesterday in question period and said, where is this plan? We want to see this plan. Now listen to what Horgan had to say about that, his answer to this this call for this short-term plan to to get on top of this. Here's Horgan yesterday. To make sure they're putting in place the treatment capacity to address the challenges in communities, and that takes time. 
It doesn't take 30, 60, 90 days. It takes time to establish treatment facilities right across British Columbia in our urban centres, in our rural centres. It takes time to bring on the healthcare providers to provide the services that we will need in complex care environments, which did not exist, Honourable Speaker, until just recently. Is such a complex problem that has bedeviled both parties, by the way. This mm-hmm. started under the Liberals. They yeah. were the ones who declared a public health crisis. They didn't seem to be able to fix it either. So and just keeps getting worse. What your thoughts? Yeah, so it's a, it's an incredibly complex situation, and there's no easy answer to this. But one of the critical uh, areas is a safe s- drug supply chain, and pressuring the federal government, asking the federal government to ease up on the law to allow uh, small amounts of drugs to be in, in uh, personal possession. So you remove the stigmatization and the criminalization associated with this activity is seen to be one way to reduce the deaths, but we're not there yet. But it's interesting. You now have an all party committee working together to try to find a solution here, which sort of takes the politics out of it. Okay. We're going to watch that one closely. We spent the entire first hour of the show today, Keith, talking about the war in Ukraine. And there was a meeting of the foreign minister between Russia and Ukraine earlier in Turkey that did not achieve a ceasefire as some hoped would happen. So we continue to see uh, civilians being killed. We continue to see the humanitarian crisis and the refugee flow getting even worse. Now have a listen to this. Now this is something Russia this week said the United States accused the United States of trying to develop chemical and biological weapons with Mm -hmm. Ukraine in Ukraine. And now listen to this uh, response here from the uh, spokesperson for the U S Pentagon Uh, to this Russian claim about U.S. biological weapons. Have a listen to this. The Russian accusations uh, are absurd. They're laughable. And, uh, you know, in the words of my Irish Catholic grandfather, a bunch of malarkey. There's nothing to it. It's classic Russian propaganda. We are not, not developing biological or chemical weapons inside Ukraine. It's not happening. There, there is some theory that uh, that was uh, John Kirby, by the way, spokesperson for the Pentagon, that could Russia be doing making a claim like that if they turn around and use some sort of chemical weapon wow. and then try to as like a false flag operation, try to say, we warned you, the Americans did it, not us. Well, there's a lot of misinformation flying around the whole Ukraine uh, conflict. Nobody really knows what's real half the time. Yeah. And certainly Russia is exaggerating and has been exaggerating what's been going on or misleading people since day one. Uh, the Russians will not acknowledge the huge, well, again, the Ukraine side says there's a heck of a lot of Russian soldiers have been killed. Russia will not acknowledge that. They've yeah. cut off communications to their own citizens. So there's a, a lot of misinformation and a lack of information on both sides. All right, welcome back. It's Baldry's Beat. Lots of phone calls here. Kay in Vancouver. Hi, Kay. Go ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. I had a thought. Um, I realized that the problems with the troubled people, whether it's addiction or mental health, really accelerated after Riverview was closed. And I know there's a new St. Paul's being built, but the old facility is still very functional. And wouldn't that be a very good place to um, offer a lot of people treatment? Your thoughts? Thank you. Yeah, unclear what's going to happen to the old St. Paul's. I think it's actually going to get torn down. I think there's uh, First Nations development going in there. Uh, I could be wrong, but uh, the yeah, the question of institutionalization is is uh, being resurrected uh, as the deinstitutionalization model obviously hasn't worked. Uh, so, but again, no firm decisions on that yet. Well, you know, you remember in the day when they when they shut down Riverview and stuff, and the perception was that these places were were 
cruel, mm-hmm. um, that the people who were in there were being uh, abused. abused. Yeah. I mean, you remember the old, you know, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest movie and stuff, and people were, there was a big movement, shut them down. So they did. They shut a lot of these facilities down. But then guess what? They didn't provide any services yeah. for people who ended up on the street. There wasn't, so, the, there wasn't the community uh, services established as, re, as a yeah. result. So that model, the institutionalization model, obviously had serious problems, but the deinstitutionalization model also had serious yeah. problems. Yeah. Peter on the line in Richmond. Hi, Peter. Go ahead. Hey, guys. I'm um, just curious why um, there hasn't been much talk about the uh, the Pfizer documents that were put out on all the um, testing data. Like, no mainstream, nothing has covered it. It's been out for over a week, and the uh, the results are pretty shocking. Thank that's, you. That's because there's been far more real-world data than what Pfizer had. So there's billions of people have been vaccinated. And that's the real world da- data. Pfizer data is dwarfed by the real world numbers. Yeah, this was a report on what was called adverse ev- events yeah. from people so who received the, the vaccine. Go to the BC Center for Disease Control website. Every week is an update on any adverse reactions associated with vaccine. It is not an alarming number. I think social media and the conspiracy theorists have seized on Pfizer's limited number of data compared to real world data. It's just apples and oranges. Like the the safety the safety and, and effectiveness of the vaccines, there the evidence of it is overwhelming. And no one has ever said at this even at the start of this pandemic that some a small number of people could have an adverse reaction to a vaccine. You can have an Everyone adverse re- reaction to a flu vaccine. You can yeah. have an adverse reaction to a measles vaccine. This this vaccine has saved way more lives than anyone who's had a, a, a an adverse reaction yeah. so to it. So anybody who seizes upon this is part of the conspiracy theorists out there. Dave and Mission. Oh, hey, Mike. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Keith. A uh, couple things. Uh, I'm in the trucking business, and the fuel surcharge for people, to be it everything that everybody uh, uses, is just going to go out of sight with all of the price of fuel. And the other thing is, if the government figures they're going to give us a 100 or $150 rebate, from ICBC, that most people are going to think that's insulting. Hmm. Okay, thanks for that. You know, well, thanks. thanks for the call. Well, I guess some people think that's that's not enough. That's why they would think it was insulting. That uh, the hundred and fifty bucks will give you one fill up, I guess. You know, <laughs> yeah, or the difference between the old the old days and the new days. But you know, the he mentions the trucker. There, there's a spillover effect here, a domino effect. So truckers, shipping companies have to pay more. That's going to be transferred and uh, down the line. It's going to affect the yeah. cost of goods. And you could start to see some companies start adding, like the caller said, fuel surcharges. Exactly. Who knows? Maybe yeah. even BC Ferries might start doing I mean, that again. You've already got it. Well, they are going to do that. Are they? Uh, a, okay. small, a small amount. But uh, you've got inflation now hitting 5%. You've got supply chain issues. And now you've got fuel potential fuel yeah. surcharges. The price of food is going up. The price of goods is going to go up. Yeah. Let's go to John on the line in Surrey. Hi, John. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Great show. Um, I, I know Dr. Henry is going to talk about loosening restrictions today, and that's great. The real hot, contentious topic about uh family members visiting long-term care. I know health care is always kind of like that's the last thing mm-hmm. to kind of change, but there's so many facilities interpreting these rules differently. Do you think causing a lot of friction with families and facilities, mm-hmm. do you think Dr. Henry will loosen that up even a bit? Anyways, I'll yeah, hang thanks. up. And Thank uh, you for the call. 30 seconds. Know. 30 seconds. Yeah, no, uh, I think she will. I think we're going to go back to uh, pre-pandemic rules in terms of visitors. You can have any number of visitors. However, uh, vaccination uh, requirements and rapid tests may still be required in long-term care. Oh, I think they still will be required in long-term care homes. But the two-visitor rule, I think that's going out. It's going to be replaced by unlimited numbers.